Welcome to US Rail Journeys, Series 1. Episode 11, where we travel from Chicago across the Mississippi to Burlington on the California Zephyr. As I said when I arrived here in Chicago, I've got 22 hours in the city. So I've taken a cab to the Drake Hotel where I'm staying. This hotel is in the grand style, having opened in 1920. And I'm having an early dinner and then bed, because after two nights on the train, I love a really good night's sleep in a proper non-moving bed. That's what I needed, a good night's sleep, a good shower in the morning, and then a late breakfast. And to make it even better, I've been overlooking Lakeshore Drive and Lake Michigan. Absolutely splendid view, as you can see from the photographs that I've taken. Just packing up and about to check out in a few minutes and then go to the railway station for the last part of our journey, the California Zephyr to San Francisco. I've had a short walk around the public rooms of the hotel, which are absolutely splendid. And I've also visited the lower level shopping arcade, where as you can see for the photograph, it's set up for Halloween, even though there are still four weeks to go before the ghosts come out at night. I've now been by taxi to the railway station. It really is an amazing building, as you can see from the photographs. Whilst in the station, I've spent about 45 minutes in the Metropolitan Lounge, which was extremely busy and somewhat similar to a motorway service area. So now I'm off to join my train. I need to get to the right track in the underground train shed below the main parts of the station. And I'll speak to you later once we're on our way out of Chicago on the California Zephyr on our way to San Francisco. The final leg of our journey goes from Chicago back to San Francisco on the California Zephyr. The California Zephyr is, I'm told, the longest scheduled rail journey in the United States at 2,438 miles. The Zephyr runs daily between Chicago and San Francisco and, of course, in the opposite direction. It normally travels through the plains of Nebraska to Denver, then across the Rockies to Salt Lake City, and then through Reno and Sacramento on to Emeryville and San Francisco, having passed through superb scenery in the Rockies, the Continental Divide, Glenwood Canyon, the Utah Desert and the snow-capped High Sierras. At the moment, there is rail works taking place on part of the route, so we have been diverted between Denver in Colorado and Salt Lake City in Utah, and we will be seeing different territory as we go through Wyoming, through places such as Laramie. This is the route that is always recommended as one of the finest in the world, and people travelling on this train see more of America than many Americans have. A train called the California Zephyr first ran in 1949. We're just about to leave Chicago, 
and I will bring you more photographs and thoughts as we progress. just sat down in my roomette number two again so I know where it is and can easily find it and for the second time I'm in the very last carriage on the train all around me people are wandering up and down looking for their rooms they probably haven't been on as many trains in the last week as I have downstairs there's a man making a big fuss because his roomette he says isn't big enough for him and how's he ever going to sleep Anyway, I believe that the sleeping accommodation is fully booked on this train, so it's not going to be possible for him to change to any other room. As we leave Chicago Union Station, we will pass the south branch of the Chicago River, where in the late 1890s a major engineering project changed the flow of the river so that it would flow from Lake Michigan towards the Mississippi River. This was done to improve the water quality in the lake. It was considered to be a major engineering triumph at the time, although there was some resentment in some of the Mississippi communities. Car passengers, could you please have all tickets out of the envelope for the conductor? The conductor will be coming through shortly to scan all of your tickets. Once again, 532 sleeping car attendants, please have all tickets out of the envelope for collection. I'll be around to each and every room shortly. Once again, my name is Debbie. I'll see you shortly. Sadly to say, one of the minor issues in travelling on these Amtrak trains is that they don't clean the windows before we set off. And therefore, there's quite a lot of grime that, especially if the sun is shining towards the carriage, shows up in the photographs. I'm very sorry for that. I really can't climb out of the window with my squeegee. As a man stood by the side of the track with his camera, waving at the California Zephyr as it's slowly pulling out of Chicago. That's a third train enthusiast I've seen in all the miles that I've gone. We've just passed through one of the suburban metro stations. It just consists of a bus shelter and a little bit of platform. We've just passed a coal train waiting for us to give it the track. It was 136 very large rail cars full of coal. We've sped up now and we're passing through the Chicago suburbs. You can tell, and you may have just heard it then, how much the car rules in this part of the world because we've gone over road bridge after road bridge after road bridge. Ladies and gentlemen, my heavy attention, just a reminder, this is non-smoking train. You are smoking, next stop will be your stop. With authorities, so you at your choice. Sounds like somebody's been caught smoking. The train's now slowing for our stop in Naperville at approximately 2.30 in the afternoon. Naperville is a town in the western suburbs of Chicago 
The railway station is 28 miles west of Chicago's Union Station and services a number of the Amtrak trains including the California Zephyr, the Illinois Zephyr, the Carl Sandburg and the Southwest Chief. It also serves the local commuter lines and a number of bus routes. The station was originally opened in 1910 and in 2014 was used by nearly 50,000 Amtrak passengers. This is your lounge car attendant. At this time, the lounge car is making first call for service. Lounge car can be found in the center of the train, rear of all three coach cars, forward of the sleeping cars. Downstairs, on the lower level of the observation car, is where you find your service area. Inside your service area, you'll find a variety of snacks, sandwiches, ice cold beers, wines, and spirits for your enjoyment. So once again, welcome aboard, and as always, thank you for choosing Amtrak. As we travel west from Naperville, we pass through Aurora, which is the second largest city in Illinois with nearly 200,000 residents. It was the birthplace of the Chicago, Burlington and Quincy Railroad, over which the California Zephyr runs between Chicago and Denver. Aurora was dubbed the City of Lights as it was one of the first cities in the United States to adopt all-electric street lighting in 1881. The town itself looks to be suburban housing with a lot of repurposed industrial units built probably many years ago for industries that are long gone. We're now passing through an area which on one side of the train is still the suburban sprawl reaching out from Chicago, whereas on the other side of the train we're definitely into agricultural land. I find it quite interesting that the railway seems to act as the border between the two. The train has just slowed down as we passed a big golf course. I can see that the net worth of the people must be growing as we get farther from Chicago. I personally think it's quite dangerous to have a golf course just next to a railway line. What happens if somebody slices their shot and it hits the train? I think the oddest golf course I've ever come across was the one at Don Wang Airport, the old international airport in Bangkok, where right in the middle of all the taxiways there were the holes of a golf course and quite often you'd see people waiting with their golf carts to cross the taxiway after a jet had passed. I think I was right about the higher net worth because the houses around here are certainly much bigger and what they term their backyards are significantly larger as well. The backyard that I've seen as I've traveled along can vary from anything being a place to dump your car to somewhere that can be made into a very pretty garden. We're now passing through fields of grain. I was amazed at how straight the furrows are, particularly in some of the vast fields that we went through a couple of days ago. It was explained to me that the tractors actually are guided by laser and therefore that accounts for the unwavering, perfectly straight lines. And just going through the city of Plano and We've just gone through the part of town where they must sell cars. We've passed a Ford dealer, a Buick dealer, a General Motors dealer, a Chevrolet dealer. 
they're all there all together competing with each other with thousands of cars outside their showrooms. We're now just over an hour out of Chicago Union Station. The scenery has completely changed. No longer city, no longer suburban. We are right out into farming territory where maize or corn is the major crop that seems to be being grown. On either side of us you can just see for miles with farms dotted here and there. We really are back into the big country. We've come to a halt and we'll be here for roughly 10 minutes to allow a freight train to pass and clear the track ahead for us. I seem to remember that right at the beginning of this travel log I said that freight always takes priority over passenger trains in America. The freight train is now passing us so hopefully in a few minutes time we'll be able to make a move. I'm with Maria and Tony who are traveling on this train today. We've just pulled forward to allow the back end of the train to be loaded as well as the front end of the train. By the look of it, from talking to Tony, their route is even longer than mine. Would you please tell people, where did you start and where are you going? Certainly. We started in Tampa, Florida, and took a train from there to Washington, D.C., from Washington, D.C. to Chicago, and from Chicago up to Milwaukee to spend a couple of nights there, but then we came back down to Chicago, and now we're traveling from Chicago through Denver to Sacramento, California, where we'll pick up another train to go to Seattle. After that, up to Vancouver, then coming across on the Canadian uh, from Vancouver to Toronto, then from Toronto to New York City, and then New York City back down to Tampa, Florida. So when you come back from Toronto to New York City, are you traveling on the Maple Leaf? Yes, we are. And I presume the Sacramento up to Seattle is the Coast Starlight? Yes, that's they are. The uh, train that we took from uh, Tampa to Washington was the Silver Meteor. From Washington to Chicago was the Capital Limited. Just amazing, the, the number of named trains that run on a regular basis in this part of the world where actually most people would never even think anyone traveled by train. What, so why are you traveling by train and maybe not flying? I've spent a lot of time in my life flying. Uh, I've actually logged almost two million actual flight miles sitting in an airplane seat. And while airplane travel is okay if you need to get someplace, the experience of traveling by train is just that. It's a wonderful experience to be able to watch the scenery go by, to get up and walk around, to meet and talk with interesting people such as yourself. And just the camaraderie of people traveling by train, they have all one common denominator, and that's the trip. They're all here for that. We're kind of on a journey, and they say it's better to travel than to arrive, and I, and I think sometimes with train travel that is very true. Would you agree? Absolutely. That's a very astute observation. Anyway, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. And I do hope you enjoy the rest of your journey. I'm certain we will. I look forward to spending time with you throughout the journey as well. We've now passed through Princeton, a city that was originally settled in the 1830s by families from New England and the Mid-Atlantic States. 
Owen Lovejoy was an outspoken abolitionist in the mid-1800s and his home on the east side of town became a major stop on the Underground Railroad. The railway station opened in 1911 and services three Amtrak intercity routes and was used by 35,800 passengers in 2014. The farmland that we're now passing through is yet more maize and also in fields that have mainly been harvested there's also a major soya crop. And we have some workers working on the tracks. Once they clear the tracks, we will continue our journey to the next station stop, Galesburg. We're now passing some of the wind turbines that you see scattered across this state. We have passed through Kuani, which is a small industrial town along the Spoon River, best known for the manufacture of steam boilers. Although the California Zephyr doesn't stop at the station, the Amtrak station is used by the Illinois Zephyr and the Carl Sandburg trains. Nearly three hours into our journey and we're coming into Galesburg, which with the first opportunity for people to get off and have a walk around, or for the addicts to have a cigarette. The heritage is celebrated with a permanent display of a Burlington 464 Hudson steam engine that's on the right as we enter the station. In addition, there is an annual Railroad Days Festival in June, a Galesburg Railroad Museum, and it is also the host city of the National Railroad Hall of Fame that is being developed. Galesburg was also the home of writer and historian Carl Sandburg. George Ferris, the inventor of the Ferris wheel, was born here. The current railway station was built in 1984. It was used by 101,000 passengers in 2014. We've passed through Monmouth, which is yet another town that supposedly had its name drawn from a hat, except the first name drawn, Kosciuszko, named after a Polish-Lithuanian military engineer, was so hard to spell that they decided that a second drawing was needed, and they selected Monmouth. It's the home of Monmouth College and the birthplace of the Western hero Marshall Wyatt Earp. We're now getting towards the border between Illinois and Iowa. The shadows are lengthening as the sun is getting a deeper yellow that shows we're getting towards early evening. The time here is about 5.30 in the afternoon and the dining car is now busy with diners for dinner. We're already on to the second call. Everybody's had their cameras out in the Sightseer Lounge as the California Zephyr has rumbled very slowly over the 2,146-foot-long steel bridge across the Mississippi. I showed you the Mississippi only yesterday, but it has become much wider, much bigger, as we come into Burlington in Iowa. It's the second-longest river in the United States at 2,320 miles. This is the third bridge built for the railway here, and it was completed in 2011. It has a vertical lifting section in the middle which allows large vessels to pass. Until the first bridge opened in 1868, passengers used the ferry or in winter walked across the ice. We have now stopped at Burlington. We're about 25 minutes late. In 2014, 9,240 passengers used this station. The train had to make two stops in Burlington because it's too long for the platform. So the first stop was to pick up the coach passengers and then the second stop was to pick up the passengers getting on for the sleeper.
We're now pulling through the outskirts of Burlington. Quite a lot of dereliction. But up on the hill, there are some lovely houses. This podcast has been made by the Mr. T Podcast Studio. Thank you very much for listening. 